The Holy Gospel according to John, the 10th chapter. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In just about the middle of England is the city of Coventry. In the late 14th and early 15th centuries, the beautiful cathedral of St. Michael was built there. Today, that cathedral stands in ruins, bombed almost to destruction, along with much of the city, during a massive Luftwaffe attack on November 14, 1940. Only the tower, spire, and outer wall of the church survived. After the war ended, the ruins were left in place as a testimony to the futility and destruction of war. During that war, two British Army soldiers met each other, Basil Spence and John Hutton, who would later work on a very special project together. Spence became the architect of the new St. Michael's Cathedral, built next to the ruins of the old one, because he felt the new cathedral would not be complete without the old one next to it. It was finished in 1962. John Hutton was also asked to create something very special for the new St. Michael's, a 70-foot high by 45-foot wide glass wall etched entirely with saints and angels. The wall took 10 years to complete, and photos of it look absolutely amazing. I intend to visit it someday. The glass wall contains 66 larger-than-life figures, from Moses to the apostles to contemporary faithful ones. These figures are all etched in a highly individual and beautiful and quite orderly way. But between those rows of people are the angels. Imagine them, four feet wide and ten feet tall, flying and dancing and playing trumpets across that massive wall of glass. They are filled with joy and exuberance, and they are making merry. One might wonder, with so much suffering in the world, if it makes sense to etch huge and clearly joyful angels into a cathedral wall. Might it seem 
a little insensitive or frivolous. But here's the point. When you stand inside the cathedral and look out through those faithful saints and exuberant angels, what you see on the other side of the glass is the painful ruins of the old bombed-out cathedral. And then it seems that the rubble is more than just ruins from November 1940. It happened in the past, but it is as though you are seeing it through the eyes of the future. All the pain and the suffering of that terrible night are somehow seen through an image of heavenly transformation. It seems to say that all we endure and sacrifice here will be gathered up somehow into God's embrace and holy purposes. This is not all there is. There is a future beyond the ruins, and it is joyful and good by God's grace and in God's time. Our reading from the Revelation to John this morning is filled with that same future joy and peace and healing in the midst of hardship. John lived in a time of great danger for Christians when it was illegal to worship Christ, when believers were harmed or even killed if they did not worship the emperor. John himself had been arrested for his faith and exiled to the island of Patmos on Greece where he received his revelation from God. He wrote it down and sent it to the seven churches in Asia Minor, describing in symbolic language the terrible hardships they were facing with more to come and encouraging them to remain strong and faithful to Christ in all they endured. In the reading we heard today, John pulled back the curtain of time and showed them the joys that awaited them, the restored life of all who came through the great ordeal. He gave them a glimpse of heaven with God. He gave them hope and courage to endure faithfully and to hold on to Christ in all circumstances. It's a word to us, too. Although life in the burbs is very nice indeed, we have our own struggles to live faithfully here and now in the midst of the challenge and the loss of our own lives. Life can be really hard. We are required to say heartbreaking goodbyes to people we love. Some of us are thinking about mothers and grandmothers who are with God today, whom we will always miss. We may face job loss or addiction or illnesses of body and mind. We may grow weary in caregiving or face disappointment at work or school. We can be overwhelmed by the suffering and the violence in our world and fear for the future. Life can be hard. What are you struggling with today? And then to make it worse, Sometimes when we struggle or doubt or fear, we think we have let our Lord down. But that simply is not true. In fact, in his list of the seven marks of the church, that is, seven characteristics that describe who we are as God's church, 
Martin Luther listed things we would expect, like baptism and worship and the Lord's Supper. But he ended the list with struggle. He knew that where there is faith, there is also struggle. So if today you are struggling, feeling overwhelmed, if you have questions or wonder what God is doing, how to find your way, know that these aren't signs of failure or lack of faith, but are part of who we are as God's faithful people, wrestling with the deep questions and taking God seriously. So, into the griefs and struggles, whatever yours are, God gives you a glimpse of heaven from the revelation to John, and it is wonderful. He describes it like this, and I invite you to imagine the scene. A great and uncountable multitude are there from every nation and tribe and people and language of the earth. They are gathered joyfully around God's shining presence. And in response to everything done against them in life and everyone who tried to be God to them in this world, they cried out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Who are they? They are the ones who have come out of the great ordeal. Yes, the martyrs for the faith, but also all those who carried the cross by living faithfully, relying on God through the trials of this life. They are robed in white and they are washed and pure and healed by the blood of the Lamb, by our Lord Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. Go ahead. See yourself there someday in that great multitude. See those you love there who have gone home ahead of you as I read this last part. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Remember how, if you were in Coventry Cathedral, you could look through the faithful saints and angels and see the ruins, but see more than ruins? The comfort offered in this reading is like that. It's an invitation to see the struggles of this life from the viewpoint of heaven, where all shall be well. Ruins are not the end. The grave is not the end. Injustice, heartache, goodbyes, these are not the end. We are going to God where all shall be well. And may that bright destination fuel our here and now with faith and courage. May we face our challenges with hope and embrace God's hurting world with our love and our compassion and our service. And may we look forward to reunions and every tear 
being wiped from our eyes. In the name of the risen Jesus, amen.